somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And we're, uh, we're, there's a lot of uh, different things we're going to be talking about today. Um, Nicki Minaj. Never thought I was going to be doing a piece of my show with Nicki Minaj, but I read this tweet and it made sense. That she's done more for freedom in America than than the GOP has done this year. The GOP who stands for nothing. But I had this interesting thought. I was uh I came across this story written up by an Australian National Review. And it says the government in Ireland is forced to admit now you're not gonna believe this. The government in Ireland is forced to admit cover COVID-19 does not exist. And that's, that makes me sound really crazy, right? Well, it's very possible that COVID-19 existed in 2019, 2020. But with all these new variants, and with the flu, remember the flu? There's these reports. Fox News put it out. The reports are that the flu was, you know, 38 million flu. People had the flu. 1,800 people had the flu or died from the flu. I guess it was, no, it was not death. It was, who got the flu? So, you got 38 million. In the years leading up, it was consistent, like 36 million, 37 million, 38 million. Now, keep in mind, too, that the world population is growing, right? So when you have a higher population, you're going to have higher numbers. That's fair, right? So in 2019, 2020, you had 38 million people with the flu. And in 2020, 2021, you had 1,800 people with the flu. 
So obviously that sounds a little odd, right? We, we know where that is. That's, that's a gigantic red flag. That means that everybody that comes in with a respiratory ailment is being designated as COVID. And you wonder, okay, do these COVID tests distinguish between COVID and the flu? We've already learned recently that they're not really able to distinguish the difference between variants. There's the MU variant, there's the uh, Exodus variant or Epsilon variant, there's the Delta variant. There's all kinds of uh, variants. There's one out in California, there's a variant. And they can't really test. If you get that variant, they're basically going to say you have COVID. So the COVID test, no matter what variant you have, is coming up COVID. So I wrote a response to this article, and it was kind of an interesting... We're going to go ahead and take a listen to this clip. But I wrote a response to this, and I said, Will the real COVID and or flu please stand up? The fact that testing is incapable of accurately and consistently distinguishing between the variety of variants, does COVID as we knew it exist? As we knew it, not know it, but knew it. Government in Ireland forced to admit COVID-19 does not exist. Now let's, let's listen to what this reporter has to say. She's in Ireland Okay, so we're going to take a take a listen to this. This is kind of interesting. Makes you kind of wonder about what we're actually dealing with. Because, you know, these viruses are supposed to last 15 days to slow the curve. They have a shelf life. These viruses have a shelf life of like two weeks. And then it clears your body. See, bacteria, like if you, have, if you need an antibiotic, because you have a bacterial infection, they can last weeks and months if you don't have the right uh, penicillin or right antibiotic. But a a virus, very similar symptoms to a bacterial infection, but those viruses tend to leave the body within like a two-week span. That's why they say if you came in contact with a COVID patient, Go into quarantine, and if you don't get any symptoms, you didn't get it. But you have to wait for two weeks. Quarantine for two weeks. I mean, that's common knowledge, right? So after a while, after everybody's been isolated, wearing masks and doing all kinds of stuff, how in the world is this spreading like it is? Could it be the flu? Could it be a variant? Could we be in the age of COVID-21? It's a SARS virus, right? SARS-2, whatever. But the point is, they can't, they don't have tests that can distinguish between variants. And I, I would say that they've also had false readings 
testing between the flu and COVID. Now, I know that they have some distinguishable features where they can tell the difference between a flu and a COVID, but not all the time. And they're treating flu patients because not all the time, I say, because how could you explain how the number of flu patients goes from 38 million to 1,800 overnight? How do you explain that? And the only way you could explain it is something else is going on. The fix is in. They want to use COVID to get the vaccine. The vaccine's for profit. Even Moderna now is doing what Pfizer's doing. They're saying, yeah, ours is getting weaker too. Ours loses its efficacy rating too. So we're going to go with the booster shots too. Oh, that's nice. So Moderna's going to get on the action. And it seems like none of the scientists that are in power with making the profits likes the Johnson & Johnson. You wonder if there's some conflict of interest there. And I bet there is. But let's take a listen to this uh, reporter from Ireland who sent out a Freedom of Information request in their country. And it's interesting what she has to say. This is something I've never talked about before. And this sparked my interest in thinking about it on these terms. And again, I'm going to read that tweet before we play that clip. I tweeted this, will the real COVID and or flu please stand up? The fact that testing is incapable of accurately and consistently distinguishing between the variety of variants, does COVID, as we knew it, exist? Government in Ireland forced to admit COVID-19 does not exist. Back outside the offices of Tony Holohan here on Bagot Street in South Dublin. And you will be aware that yesterday we were here asking why it was that the HSE, NEFIT, the National Public Health Emergency Team, headed up by Tony Holohan and the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, why it was that they had refused to provide an answer to a Freedom of Information request that we had put in several months ago asking if the Department of Health and the HSE could provide proof that the virus SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, actually exists, that it has been isolated in a lab. They had broken the legislation in relation to our Freedom of Information request. They had failed to provide a response within the deadline. And yesterday, after I did my stream from here, it obviously got a huge amount of traction all around the country. And this morning, lo and behold, what arrived in our post, only this letter here from the HSE, which is proof of the answer that we knew that they would have to give. And that is that the virus, COVID-19, does not exist. If we dictate that, as science demands that we do, that viruses, in order to be deemed viruses, must be scientifically isolated in a laboratory and must 
adhere to the Cox postulates, which are a very stringent list of requirements in order to validate that a, vac a virus exists. Well, this virus does not adhere to any of them. So we requested in uh, October, and in fact earlier than October, because as part of our legal action, we had been demanding the evidence that this virus actually exists, but also in our court case, we had been demanding and have been, and it has, they have not produced it yet, evidence that lockdowns actually have any impact on the spread or otherwise of viruses. We have been demanding that they provide evidence that face masks are safe and that they do deter the spread of viruses. They don't. No such studies exist. We've been asking for evidence that social distancing is based in science. It isn't. It's made up. We've been asking for evidence that contact tracing has any bearing on the spread of a virus or otherwise. And of course it doesn't, because this organisation here, Neffet, is making it up as they go along. But today, they were forced to admit that the COVID-19 virus does not exist. And this is what they have said. We requested a full, accurate and complete list of records held by the HSE or under the authority of the HSE, which describe the isolation of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, coronavirus COVID-19, taken directly from a symptomatic patient with COVID-19, where the sample was not combined, and this is critical, or mixed with any other source of genetic material, such as, for example, monkey kidney cells or cancer cells, thereby eliminating contamination as a possible source, alternative source of sampling. The response today is as follows from the HSE. Following consultation with my colleagues, both from the scientific and medical areas of the HPSC can confirm that we would hold no records in relation to your request. These are the reasonable steps I have taken to ascertain the whereabouts of existence of such records. And unfortunately, I must inform you that having undertaken these searches, we were unable to locate the records in question. I am satisfied that all reasonable steps have been taken to locate the records that you have requested and must refuse, therefore, your request. And um, they go on to say that um, the record concern does not exist. In fact, they outline it in yellow. This is their highlighting saying that the record which we requested that this virus actually exists does not. They hold no evidence that it does. So there is your proof. Now, on foot of this information, on foot of this critical new evidence, we need to ask several new questions. And they are as follows. If the virus has not been scientifically isolated, how could we possibly know that a vaccine 
is effective if the virus for this vaccine has not been isolated. If you know about vaccines, you will know that they put a laboratory-made virus into the vaccine in order to provoke an immune reaction in the body. This is, of course, against nature and nature always bites back. How can we possibly know if this vaccine is safe if the virus has not been isolated? How can anyone claim that a new variant, which is the latest scam that they're pulling upon us, that a new variant or a mutant strain exists if the original strain has never been isolated? How can a vaccine even be developed? How can a vaccine even be developed when the virus itself has never been isolated? And how can the effectiveness of a vaccine be determined if the pathogen itself it is designed to treat has not been isolated? How can a reliable test be developed to detect the presence of a particular virus if the virus itself has never been isolated? What proof do we have that a virus known as COVID-19 even exists if the virus has never been isolated? And what guarantee do we have that other spurious viruses will not be announced and held as a serious health threat to our society when the original virus was never isolated? Will these new viruses be equally speculative? And finally, what parent could allow their child to be vaccinated with a new vaccine which has never been tested on animals? A treatment designed to protect against a virus which has never been isolated is highly experimental and by definition is a very serious risk to health. And we know that many, many people who have got this virus vaccine Many people who have got this vaccine have ended up dead in some cases and have ended up very, very unwell. Some of them have been paralyzed. So what is coming out of this organization at the moment is so demented and deranged that if people don't see through it, it really, one really has to question their own mental health. The latest from here is that if you have been in the United Kingdom in recent weeks, they are suggesting that you eat your Christmas dinner on your own in a separate room. This is how demented these people are. They are coming out with the most extraordinary demands. And this is getting incredibly dangerous because we are in the hands of psychopaths at this stage. That's true. That's true. Uh, so, you know, this is, um, this raises a lot of questions, really, because the virus itself lasts in the body, you know, two weeks, as I said. And when you think about the new variations and strains they don't even have tests for they can distinguish between the variants. How in the world? What are we doing? What are we jabbing in our arm? Of course, I, I have not taken the jab, and kudos to the 
comedian. Kudos to that comedian um, that uh, stood up and said, I'm not going to conduct any shows. I'm not going to hold any shows. Uh, I'm going to get that clip really quick. He also had an interview on Tucker Carlson. And um, I was actually the first to post this. I posted it uh, two days ago. The Democrats wish to mandate another Green Book like they did in the Democrat South in the 50s and 60s. Remember the movie Green Book? With their Jim Crow laws then and their vaccine segregation guidelines and mandates now. Comedians like Jim Brewer are to be applauded. And so we need to stand up before it's too late. Let's take a listen to what Jim said. People, the segregation of them forcing people to show up with vaccination to prove you're vaccinated, to prove that you've had a shot. I am absolutely not doing those shows. Uh, I know I'm going to sacrifice a lot of money, but I'm not going to be enslaved by the system. So don't leave comments of going, oh, this is a good thing. I highly disagree with you. And I will always disagree with you. So due to, I have to stick to my morals. I have to stick to what I know is right. <clears throat> as a human to another human, when you have to be forced, bribed, dictated, which is basically what's going on. And it's not just that, it's the salesman. You know, there's a good movie I like. Um, it's called Avalon. And it's Barry Levinson film. Really great film. And the son, a young Elijah Wood, asks his dad, who was played by the character, uh, played by the actor Aiden Quinn, Answers the question, he says, it's not the product, it's the salesman. A salesman can sell anything, ice to an Eskimo. But the idea is it's about trust and building relationships. And when you have a rigged election and the powers that be are the only ones endorsing these draconian mandates, despite the fact that they only put the masks on, on when it's a photo op, they're not sincere about it. We know that from all the different, you know, the um, French Laundry, Gavin Newsom dinner, or those are just little examples. But this is the way it is. We know it. We see it. We understand it. Again, this COVID-19 might be dead. We may have already beaten the COVID-19. This could be a different strain of COVID. They say that Delta is more uh, contagious, but yet less deadly. With a 99.7% cure rate, like recovery rate, what is up with the mandates? And of course, you know they're doing this for the election fraud. We, You know they're doing this to push mail-in voting. You know, um, 
It was interesting. It was kind of funny, but uh, Pasoviak, he basically said, or no, it wasn't Pasoviak. It was somebody else. But they said, you know, the reason why they're not going to succeed at pushing the, um, oh, it was Pasoviak. Interesting catch-22 for the overstate. They want to mandate the vaccine for voting, but can't, as that would be voter ID. Of course. So it's catch-22. You know, the, now the big scare is measles coming over from Afghanistan. That's scary, right? How would you like to get measles? That's, even, that's I mean, worse. Measles are coming over from Afghanistan. And yet still they want to bring them over here. They don't want to isolate them in Uzbekistan somewhere. They just want to bring those diseases over here. Meanwhile, you have an escalation on our southern border. They were telling us that August in August there was 200,000 documented border crossings. That's, they said that's equivalent of Birmingham, Alabama. I didn't know Birmingham was that small, actually, but think about it. It's, it's quite amazing. We're going to take a listen to um, Tucker Carlson weighing in on that's treason, it's a crime. Tucker Carlson unloads on real coup after bombshell uh, Millie revelations. Let's take a listen to this. Since I almost never use the term deep state on this show, there's something about it that sounds paranoid, even a little nutty. As just a few years ago, you mostly heard the phrase from relics on the far left, the kind of people who lecture you about the United Fruit Company and the toppling of Mossadegh. The term then and now suggests that our democracy is fake. Elections and domestic politics are just a sideshow. No matter who you vote for in the end, the same people still run everything. That's a pretty dark understanding of the American system. If you're a normal person who grew up here, it is the last thing you want to believe about your own country. It seems crazy. And then you read stories like this one. According to reporting this summer, in the days after last November's election, Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, held a meeting with senior military officials at the Pentagon. Milley wanted to inform them of what he described as a serious threat to national security, a threat so grave that it imperiled, quote, the stability of the republic. That threat, Milley said, was the sitting president of the United States. Donald Trump had dared to question the election results. For this, Milley explained, the U.S. military might be required to use physical force against the president. We're the guys with guns, Milley said. Apparently, he'd been preparing for this moment. Milley had similar conversations with the director of the CIA, Gina Haspel, as well as with the head of the NSA, Paul Nakasone. He'd also spoken directly to Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, Donald Trump's chief political rivals. Now, according to a new book by Bob Woodward and Bob Costa, Milley apparently went even further than that. On October 30th of last year, Woodward and Costa report, Milley called his counterpart in China, that's a general called Li Zhocheng. Milley did not tell his boss, the president, about this call, either before he made it or after. Here was Milley's message for the Chinese military. Quote, General Lee, I want to assure you that the American government is stable and everything is going to be okay. We are not going to attack or conduct any kinetic operations against you. And then reportedly, Milley said this, quote, General Lee, you and I have known each other for five years. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. Let that sink in. Quote, if we're going to attack, 
I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. So according to this account, our country's top defense official secretly colluded with our chief military rival to undercut the elected president of the United States. How would you describe that? Deep state is not strong enough. That's treason. It is a crime. And apparently Mark Milley is not the only person who was implicated in this crime. Others knew it was happening as it did. Our intelligence agencies almost certainly heard Mark Milley's call. If they can read emails from a cable news show on Fox, what are the chances they were aware that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff was speaking to a senior Chinese general and what they were saying? Well, the chances are about 100%. So now to respond to that, what actually happened is the Department of Defense, acting secretary of defense at the time, said he did not authorize those calls whatsoever. And the Biden administration and Milley are trying to suggest this was a call with a lot of people on board the call, and they're trying to water it down. And then there was another interpretation that suggested that uh, it was uh, Senator Kennedy from Louisiana said, you watch, rest assured, uh, Milley's going to get thrown under the bus uh, by the Biden administration to create a scapegoat for the debacle in Afghanistan. So I believe all of those things are in play and potentially true. Which one happens, we don't know. But what I will say is that there was another guy that tweeted out about the the nuclear code launch pens who basically said, I've done that job. And what Millie said about in the, what was said in the book and what Millie said about the nuclear launch codes to Nancy Pelosi is that he would have to sign the chain of custody in terms of that uh, was incorrect he didn't say exactly, of course, he's not going to say. But it was basically a guy who says he basically knows how it works uh, said that what they said was not true. And then President Trump also weighed in. So I'm going to read a couple of these things here. And uh, let's see. Right here. One of the biggest... No, no, no. Sorry about this. Oh, here it is. Buzz Patterson. I used to manage the nuclear launch process and the nuclear football. The Pentagon is lying. That's what he said. So I thought that was interesting. Now, um, Byron York put out, uh, basically released the statement to his Twitter feed by Donald Trump. And this was dated yesterday. It's a statement by Donald Trump, 45th President of the United States of America. Milley never told me about calls being made to China. From what I understand, he didn't tell too many other people either. He put our country in a very dangerous position, but President Xi knows better and wouldn't have called me. The way Milley and the Biden administration handled the Afghanistan withdrawal, perhaps the most embarrassing moment in our country's history, would not exactly instill fear in China. Milley is a complete nutjob. The only reason Biden will not fire or court-martial Milley 
is because he doesn't want him spilling the dirty secrets on Biden's deadly disaster in Afghanistan. That is actually potentially true. And I think interesting as well. <clears throat> Rick Grinnell writes to that, to that memo, Trump speaks clearly. He does, doesn't speak like a politician. And the politicians, they hate it. So that's another one. And I said this in response. I said, remember when Trump suggested he's smarter than the generals? Once again, Trump was right. Trump is light years smarter than our Pentagon woke libtard generals and more patriotic. Obama is to blame for what has happened to our top brass as Pentagon, DOJ, CIA, and FBI uh, have failed us. And, you know, all through Twitter, they're, they're talking about the FBI covering up this sex scandal and at the same time breaking down doors of political dissidents, people that supported Trump, going to town when it came to J6, but covering up the Whitmer uh, kidnapping, the Governor Whitmer kidnapping, right? How about the, you know, Bubba Wallace debacle with the noose? They sent 15 agents out there. And for what? I mean, it's absolutely stunning and absurd. And uh, I'm going to read a couple of uh, Twitter quotes because it's kind of interesting. Now, they're not in any order. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the, that's a bit of the problem. Um, but I'm going to get to it. There, there's a couple of really good ones I want to, I want to read. And uh, <clears throat> let's see. By the way, while I'm getting there, according to the Rasmussen poll, 40% of Democrat voters agree with 83% of GOP voters, according to the Rasmussen poll, this is a new poll, that Joe Biden deserves to be impeached. Read that again. 40% of Democrat voters believe he should be impeached. That is a stunning, stunning number. Benny writes, the FBI lied to cover up child sex abuse. Pass it on. Molly Hemingway writes, Christopher Wray, who has repeatedly and defiantly defended the FBI's rampant and pervasive political corruption and incompetence, now claiming to be sorry that his agency let Nasser rape and assault young women and girls by slow-walking claims against him. And there's more. And then we're going to get to uh, Michael Sussman and Perkins Coe here in a second. Um, yeah, okay. Well, I, I, don't have, I don't have all of the... Uh, there was a couple more really good ones. Um, basically about the FBI, but I don't have them handy. Oh, and this is a great tweet, though. Cambry writes... I'm in agreement with this. Food trucks should start parking outside of restaurants that require a vaccine pass. Could you imagine what a coup that would be? If you were a food trucks and you decided to park yourself outside of a restaurant, 
that require you would get all that business, right? Joyce Aline writes to convict prosecutors must establish that the lie the defendant is charged with was material. So she's making an argument um, against uh, to protect the FBI and Sussman. And Chuck Ross writes, weird how the MSNBC pundit didn't apply this same legal analysis to the Trump aides who got 1,001 charges. Oh, Mary writes, the FBI sent 15 agents to investigate a garage door pull in a NASCAR garage, but couldn't bother to investigate the widespread sexual abuse of young women who represent the United States of the world on the world stage. Go figure that, right? So now there's this uh, other story. It's uh, about um, a Perkins Coie attorney, Sussman. And what's interesting about this is Durham is going to issue an indictment against Sussman. And Sussman is, um, was instrumental in the Russian hoax. Remember the Russian hoax? <laughs> I guess we're still going to learn more about that. So, new. The prosecutor, John Durham, has told a cyber lawyer who works for the firm that repped Clinton campaign that he wants to indict him on suspicion of lying about who he repped when he told the FBI in 16 about potential ties between Trump and Russia. And that's a New York Times story. What's interesting about it is Michael Sussman was represented was representing Hillary Clinton. Whoa, Michael Sussman, the Perkins Coey lawyer who worked alongside Mark Elias. Who's Mark Elias, right? Well, we know who Mark Elias is. He's the guy that's involved not just with Perkins Coey and Fusion GPS, but he's also the guy that's involved with Dominion voting machines and election fraud and was working hand in glove with people like Stacey Abrams. That's pretty interesting, too, when you think about it. So that'll be interesting to see how that rolls out. And if it does, it was by design. It's just another way to take down the current administration, which I believe is destined to happen. I think the current administration is going to fail. And I don't think that Biden will serve out a four-year term. I also think that Biden and Kamala Harris don't like each other. They hate each other. It's my belief. And I think that Kamala Harris was part of the Obama puppet, puppetry. And she was a puppet candidate. But she didn't have a winning formula. She was hated by everybody. And she could never win an election. And so that's the problem. And so I was having a conversation with somebody and I said, I think if that was going to happen, this switch in terms of personnel, it's going to happen. It's going to happen after 
the midterm election. Because Kamala Harris, for them to divide the Democrat Party the way they, they would have to, and for them to, I don't think there's an algorithm in the world that could sustain that kind of hit. And Kamala Harris is so unlikable. So I believe that if there is going to be a big shift in the Democrat Party, and I believe certainly that Biden is not going to finish his four-year term, and that I believe that Kamala Harris is a puppet of Obama, and that Jake Sullivan is an advisor and a strategic partner to Obama, and that Susan Rice is the same, and that Valerie Jarrett is infiltrating the Biden administration as well, which could explain why she flew off to Afghanistan and other places like that. I, th- I think that they're going to try to get to the midterm so as to not take on as many losses as they're probably going to take. Again, these algorithms can only go but so far. We saw a lot of election fraud in California. I think Paul Preston covers that really well, so I don't really tread on that topic because I'm not as familiar with the election fraud as Paul. Um, but I would tell you that that it, we could learn from that. We can learn from these mistakes. But the other part of why I don't talk about election fraud or these audits anymore is they're just a huge disappointment because... We know that the fraud existed. And it's like, okay, you know the guy cheated, right? If it's a cards or whatever. You know, you just don't want to play anymore. Now, you, you still want to vote, but what you don't want to do is just talk about it and say how you got cheated. I'm a victim. No, we got to stop being a victim and stop allowing cheaters to cheat us. And we got to fix the problem. Even Osama bin Laden's niece made a tweet and basically said that 2022 and 2024 are lost if we don't fix 2020. She said that. What was her name? Her, her, but it was Osama bin Laden. His niece said that. Big Trump supporter, by the way. Nor bin Laden. Nor bin Laden said, there is no country unless election integrity is restored. No 2022, no 2024, without fixing 2020. There's another um, tweet to the FBI related to covering up their sex, sex crimes. The FBI allowed Jeffrey Epstein to roam free for nearly two decades, allowed Larry Nasser to abuse girls, were warned or tipped off to the 2026 Pulse nightclub shooter, 2018 Parkland shooter, and the 2013 Boston bomber, and the 2009 Fort Hood shooter. But they find the time to spy on innocent Americans, frame their political opponents as Russian agents, organize kidnappings of governors, and investigate garage door pull cords and seize Legos from people who were near the Capitol on J6. The Pulse nightclub shooter's father was an FBI informant for nearly a decade 
His son proceeded to kill 49 people. The FBI truly exists to protect and serve. By the way, I would, I'm surprised the guy didn't mention here, Greg Price, didn't mention the Las Vegas shooting. I believe that was uh, by a person that was on the inside of an FBI arms distribution trade sting. So, the, so I mean, it's just the kind of thing that we're dealing with with the FBI. Kerry Kelman says, how can we beat cheaters by playing by the rules? Something else we're talking about, right? And you can't, really. You can't. You got you to gotta fix the rules. You got to have laws that are enforced by judges. You know, we have to do a lot better. Am I right? I think that's absolutely important. Now, I want to change subjects again to something else that's going on. So Terry McAuliffe was the former governor of Virginia. And Terry McAuliffe basically is running for governor again because there's only so many corrupt people you can have that won't spill the beans. And McAuliffe, longtime Clinton aide, and is chiefly responsible for corrupting the state of Virginia and turning it to a blue state. And he gets all upset because he's asked a simple question by a Virginia sheriff. And it's kind of interesting. This um, woman, Melissa McKenzie, writes two things. It's a measure of how rarely Democrats are challenged that McAuliffe comes unglued here. It's a measure of how bad the defund the police BS has gone over with the public that McAuliffe is freaking out so badly. So the defund the police question came up by this sheriff. And McAuliffe won't answer the question. This is doublespeak by typical liberals acting outraged to the obvious, which illustrates they know right from wrong. They know truth from lies. And yet, people continue to either vote for these monsters or they continue to get away with fraud because the media doesn't have any investigative interest in going after Democrats. July 20th, you accepted an endorsement from the new Virginia majority. They are a large defund the police organization who want to abolish prisons and ICE. You said that you were proud to accept their endorsement. Well, first of all, Sheriff, I'm proud to accept any endorsements. I get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I can't. Groups that endorse me, I don't know everything they do. If I ever support defund the police, are you out of your mind? I've invested in law enforcement. I just went through 25 minutes of telling you what I do for the police. Not defunded, I funded them. So you'll never support defunding? I, I won't even dignify that with an answer. If my track record of four years as governor, not enough for you to understand how I feel on law enforcement, I will not dignify that with an answer. Unbelievable. I don't believe an answer to either one of those questions. But well, I don't care what you believe. I got a track record. And I'm proud of that track record. How does a guy like that win office? How does a guy like McAuliffe there win office? That kind of arrogance. Joe Biden, if you don't like me, you're not black. 
Same thing, arrogance. Nancy Pelosi's not worried about winning or losing. She knows she's going to win. The fix is in. This woman can't even, you know, she's, Jerry Nadler can't even, can't even hold it in. I've seen Jerry Nadler in the train station. The guy can barely get along in life. Nancy Pelosi is completely schizophrenic. I mean, she's nuts. These people that are running the Democrat Party, Maxine Waters probably doesn't know basic math and is chairman of the Treasury Committee. I mean, these are really ignorant people that are running the show. And they get away with that kind of behavior, that kind of attitude. So there's another little story that I wanted to get into, and I I still love that tweet. I'm in agreement with this. Food trucks should start parking outside restaurants that require a vaccine passport. Love that. But there's there's this other story. You wonder how it is that Democrats win so much support. How do Democrats get away with what they're getting away with? And one of the ways we, you know, we have to fix election fraud, yes, certainly. But we also have to fix this endless cycle. I've always said, your conservative tax dollars are going directly toward funding Planned Parenthood. Your conservative tax dollars are going directly toward funding teachers' unions that support critical race theory and common core and support high taxes and all kinds of mask mandates and things like that. So why is it that the Democrats are pulling this off, that these radical left-wing lobbyist groups are getting rich off of conservative tax dollars? So I fell upon this tweet thread and it said, would you guys like to know how much taxpayer money the Metropolitan Museum of Art got from American Rescue Act? And by the way, this $3.5 trillion spending thing is also another thing that's about all about amnesty. Um, it's designed in every way uh, the Biden administration's obsessed with migration. But the answer to this is, you know the Met that just had that ridiculous $30,000 a ticket gala for coronavirus relief from the shuttered venue operators grant program? Well, subscribe to my OnlyFans today and to find out. And of course, he's just kidding. They got an even $10 million dollars but wait, there's more. The Metropolitan Opera Association also got $10 million. Jagged Little Pill, LLC, also got $10 million. Just thought you ought to know. This is in New York. The Jujamican Theaters got $10 million. The Netherlander got $10 million. These are all in New York. The Lincoln Center for Performing Arts got $10 million. So happy all of us Hicks, Rubes, New Yorkers, are always 
Oh, this, well, he's got a little bit of language there. Ten million for the Eliza tour. Ten million for Hamilton. So these people are being paid off to support the Liberal Party. Is the point? And he got this information from real a uh, real database. So these people are just doling out ten million dollars in these big packaged funds. And you got to wonder why it is that this is happening. Well, of course it is to buy votes. That's what the Democrats always do. They always go about buying the votes. And we have to put a stop to it. And for decades, we've been talking about line-item veto and these types of things and ending pork. But pork is how you buy votes. And it's got to stop. We have to stop it. So, you know, that brings us to the end of our show. I want to thank everybody that's been making donations over at nagapack.org and buglecall.org. We really are doing a lot of work to get the message out that supports America First policies to make America great again. We're doing doing it in the best way that we can on, on a limited shoestring budget, but we're starting to grow. We're still pending with our 501c3. Our 501c3 is being delayed by the Biden administration, but we're still working on that. We paid $600 filing fee and all the necessary steps we took. We put together board meetings, took minutes. We did all of these things to get the proper processing. We did everything by the book, and we're still waiting. And we're, you know, basically fighting the good fight. And our partnership from that organization with Red State and with the Scott Adams Show is how we're carrying out our message. But we're also doing some live in-person events and being partnered with certain galas and events. And so we're doing everything we can to try to build momentum for 2022 and 2024 and making sure that the America First point of view is heard to make America great again. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Scott Adams Show today. Be sure to check out macapack.org, buglecall.org, but also be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcasts. And we'll see you next time on the video. Town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in DC, but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.